0: C. Cole Morgan, and you are listening to the Morgan Man Sports podcast here on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from, ladies and gentlemen. We are nearing the end of college football season and getting close to the end of the NFL regular season, and it is very upsetting. It really is, but that that time has come and. Let me tell you, it has been one hellacious of a ride for college football and NFL this season. It really has. It felt like college football has had great storylines throughout the entire season, regardless of whatever team you root for, Baylor, Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. For NFL, I believe the NFL committee has got these matches right this year you know, put booking each team against one another, and the storylines match up great for each week. And, and you just don't know who to root for or, you know, whatever like that. And it's just so amazing that this year, out of all years that I've been watching football, this has been the greatest one. Now, of course, there's been probably even better ones back in, like, the 80s and 90s. But for my generation here, this has been a very good season. So instead of reminiscing about that, let's talk the Georgia Bulldogs' loss. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons' matchup against the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. And let's talk a little bit about esports because we definitely need to get back in the rotation of talking esports, more specifically the Call of Duty League. And with it being a year where it faces. A lot of uphill battles, and it's a make-or-break season for the CDL franchise as a whole. So going into topic number one, let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. So this has been a big, big, big controversy for the dogs ever since last Saturday. And that is not putting JT Daniels in in the quarterback spot. You know, he's our guy. You know, and, and again, I know you trust Stetson Bennett. He's a walk-on. He wants to make his Hollywood, you know, movie moment. And and he thinks he could do that. And, and by all means, that's great for him. But you've just shown the world that you're not capable of winning the big game. You know, last year, whenever you faced off against Alabama, you know, you had a lot of pick sixes or just interceptions. And this year, you know, you were slightly better than you were last year, but still not enough to where you can win the big one. So Georgia sits currently right now at number three in the college football playoffs. And we will face Michigan in the Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida on December thirty first, part of like the New Year's the New Year six games or whatever it's called. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Georgia is favored by a touchdown. That's the shortest Georgia has ever been favored so far this season. And going up against a Michigan team that looks very promising to be in the playoffs. You know, I love Michigan because they're my second team that I can root for outside of Georgia. But now since these two teams are together, I have to go with Georgia. I really do. But this whole college football playoff thing is setting up to be Georgia versus Alabama yet again. Number one versus number three, like it was back in 2017. And me personally, I just think that Alabama's going to steamroll Georgia yet again in the in the playoffs or you know, the championship game itself. I don't think there's going to be really much competition unless JT Daniels is in this game and the Georgia defense really studies that tape and says, hey, look, you know, this is where we messed up at. You know, yes, we have faced tough opponents, but nothing tough like this. We need to adjust our game plan to beat Bama this time around. And honestly, it could happen. It could happen, but I'm never going to bet against St. Nick ever again. You know, I've never betted against him, honestly, as a matter of fact. The only way I'm going to bet against Nick Saban, whenever it comes to Georgia, Georgia has to win at least one game against Alabama before I will pick Georgia again against Nick Saban like the following year or whatever. That's the only way I'm gonna bet. So if it's Bama, Georgia in the the finals for the championship itself, I'm gonna go Alabama. I really am. Now my thoughts on Cincinnati versus Alabama themselves, Cincinnati's gonna get steamrolled. I just I'm here to tell you, you know, Cincinnati, they've they've had an incredible season as well, just as much as Michigan. But me personally, looking at Cincinnati, you know, I just don't think that talent's just going to be quite good enough to go up against Alabama. I just really just don't think it's going to happen. So, guys, what do you think? Do you think Kirby Smart, and this is just, you know, the question I've been asking everybody, family, friends, co-workers, everybody like that. Do you think that if Kirby Smart does not win the national title this year against Alabama, that his job will be on the line next season? Like, he'll be in the hot seat going, going into the 2023 or 2022 season, if you want to call it. So let me know on Twitter at MM Sports Podcast or just MM Stacy Morgan if I believe that's my new Twitter handle. I've changed it so much, but I believe that's the new one. But of course it will be down in the description below for you guys to check that out. So now let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers Sunday, December twelfth at the Carolina Panthers Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. All odds are presented by Caesar Sportsbook. Again, I'm not a sponsor of Caesar Sportsbook, which I would really love to be, but I'm not. And this is coming off the CBS Sports app. So the Carolina Panthers are favored by a field goal. So a minus three. The over-under is a 42.5. So lines did open up today. Monday at the time of this recording at a minus two and a half, and now the current at seven thirty p.m. Monday, December six it has now moved up to a minus three with the public bet of a 54%. Your money line for Carolina is minus 150, and Atlanta is a plus 130 with no public bet set just yet. A lot of people are taking under at a 42 and a half. Right now with a 67% public bet on the under. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into stats right here, but this is honestly looking at these stats right here with only five games left in season. This has been Matt Ryan's worst year in yardage, you know, and, and I'm a huge Matt Ryan supporter. I really am. But, you know, this O-line has not protected Matt Ryan all too well. This defense has not just been, you know, light out like it should have been whenever, you know, Dean Pease won, you know, Super Bowls with the Baltimore Ravens and all that. You know, and you cannot blame Arthur Smith and Dean Pease because they were given, you know, a light luster of talent, so to speak, in this situation. Now, if they were here, you know, already for four years and producing a five and seven record, I can see why people would really be pissed off right now. But first year D coordinator, first year OC slash head coach, five and seven record. I love it. We're over our mark from the 2020 season. So that's definitely already a win in my book. And you got five games coming up that could be easily won by the Atlanta Falcons. Well, maybe except for the Buffalo Bills on January 3rd in Buffalo because it could be snowing, and it's cold in Buffalo, New York, and the Falcons don't particularly do too well in cold weather or just let alone in an open open-air stadium. No, no, no roof. <laughs> but... So I'll give you the at least the Matt Ryan stats right here. So two thousand nine hundred fourteen yards, sixteen touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Like I said, this has not been a a year for Matt Ryan. But you, there, there's certainly more blame to go around of why Matt Ryan ain't got his stats like he used to have. You know, five thousand yards every single season. Or what not, five thousand, but like nearing like you know, near the 5,000 mark, you know, like one season, be 4,600 next season be 4,900. I believe that was the 2016 season where he had 4,986 yards, close to that 5,000 yard mark, but just no cigar. Uh Cordell Patterson always is our Lord and Savior for the Falcons, uh, 489 yards, four touchdowns 106 attempts whenever it comes to the run game and for receiving you got Kyle Pitts at 709 yards one touchdown 49 receptions honestly I like Kyle Pitts in in his new role but I would love to have seen seen this touchdown meter just go just a little bit more instead of just one touchdown you know I understand he's he's an elite tight end already being in his rookie season and could be headed to the Pro Bowl. But me personally looking at – all right, let's just forget the yards. If I was just looking at one touchdown, 49 receptions, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is not great for being already, what, week 13, 14 into the season with five games left. Come on, man. But still, he's been an amazing player. You know, the defenses have been more so focused on, like, a Kyle Pitts because he is really our best option because Calvin Ridley is out with, you know, his mental health issue, wherever he has got going on. You know, Russell Gage is really, he truly is a number two wide receiver, so that's why people really don't take him – too serious, you know. He he's a great wide receiver. He does catches the ball, and you know he will get you a certain yardage, but he's just not that level of like a Julio Jones, J. Brown, uh, you know Cooper Cup, you know whoever. So I'll, I again, I'm not gonna get into more stats right here of like league rankings and everything like that because the Carolina Panthers just own on right now in total offense, you know, total defense, and then the Falcons actually do have a somewhat rushing yards allowed best defense, so I will give the D-line credit right there, but overall, the, the entire matchup, you know, favors the Carolina Panthers, it really does, so one little note I want to quickly point out for this Carolina Panthers game, uh, Joe Brady, the former now uh, Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, was fired by the Panthers. So now they're without you know their their OC, and of course they're gonna have to bring up you know someone else within the roster to call plays. So this definitely does work in a slight advantage for the Atlanta Falcons. Am I gonna say it's gonna be a blowout game? Absolutely not. But will this be a game where the Falcons can honestly, you know, put up a solid W and, you know, not give the Atlanta Falcons fans heart attacks near, like, the four-minute mark with a two-touchdown lead? I think this is that game right here where you could finally do that and, you know, get a comfortable win and go on to, you know, the following week. I believe it's. The 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, 49ers are so, so middle team kind of pack, you know, in that playoff hunt and all that. And the Falcons are, too. We're just behind the 49ers. As a matter of fact, we're sitting at 5-7. They're sitting at 6-6 six and six on the season, and we're just right in behind them with our current record that we got. So definitely, I do like that about the Falcons that were, were still in the mix, despite a losing record, you know, being two games shy of 500. So now, let's switch gears on over, ladies and gentlemen. Oh wait, before we do, I want to give my final score prediction for this Falcons game. Me personally, I think the Falcons can win by a two touchdown game right here against the Carolina Panthers. Is it going to be short? Like, or not short, but low scoring? Absolutely. So I'm going to say at least, at most, maybe a 21-7 victory for the Atlanta Falcons. I think, personally, that Dean Pease had something going against that Tampa Bay offense, stopping them. On near about every play, of course, yes, I know Tom Brady threw for like four touchdowns, but still a lot of the time, Steve Peace did call up really great plays to force a 3-and-out against that Tampa Bay offense. And if he continues that success against Carolina Panthers defense, I think we can do a 21-7 victory for the Atlanta Falcons. So that is my score prediction right there. Falcons will move, of course, to 6-7. and seven then being one game shy of 500 on the season yet again. So now we're switching on over to the Call of Duty League. So the Call of Duty League faces major uphill battles this season. So coming at number one on that is the franchise struggles. You know, everybody knows about Optic Texas now. You know, Envy and Optic had to form together this season because of a lot of issues, you know, like payroll and, you know, keeping, you know, financial aid up for the franchise itself. Because a franchise slot is very expensive for the CDO. I, what was it? 24 mil, 34 mil, something like that. Someone's going to have to correct me on that, but it's way up in the millions. And one organization by itself, well, really outside of phase. You know, needs some sort of financial aid to support to support themselves in a CDL franchise slot, and of course, Envy also agreed to purchase the NRG's Chicago slot as part of the deal with NRG pulling out from the CDL completely. With Envy unable to fill two teams, however, they're still looking for someone to pay for the slot or risk playing out a season with just eleven teams. So, a 12th team is coming, but just when? Is it going to be the very last second? Or is it just not going to happen and the CDO is just going to have to face this season with 11 teams, knowing that Vanguard is not a very popular game to begin with? Honestly, I th- this season is just going to be you know a toss-up. I think, personally, it's going to be a down year. I really do, but who knows, you know, we're going to get some sort of information, I would say probably early January, with all the information that we got, maybe a 12th, maybe, you know, maybe that 12th team coming into the slot, so, uh, the next, the next reason, or next uphill battle, I should say, is the, the game itself. You know, Vanguard is not a popular game in the Call of Duty League right now. I mean, the pro players love it. They really do. And they're going to give everything they got to win that big prize this season. But whenever you got Warzone and Halo Infinite just blowing up the charts and viewership and being such a popular, like, on-demand game, You know, you're going to have people watching that more than you are a regular multiplayer match that's just being played by pros. And so that's the competition right there. You know, what are you going to do differently this season in order to bring viewership to the CDL? So, guys, what do you think? Do you think that the CDL is not going to be around much longer, or do you think. They could fix some of their problems this season and improve upon that to stay relevant and become like that new NFL, new NBA, where franchises and, you know, bringing players on a franchise tag and everything like that. Do you think the CDL can improve upon that this season, make themselves relevant and just keep growing from there? Or do you think this is going to be a season where it's just going to fall apart and next season, the following season, is going to be even more of a mystery of, okay, are we even going to have matches? So let me know on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, what you think of the current state of the CDL. So I'll put in the question mark, where do you see the CDL in five years? That will be the question. So guys, that is all the time I have for today's episode. I sure hope you did enjoy it. If you did, make sure to hit that like button wherever you're listening from. I am also putting the audio format on YouTube as well. I'm doing it through the headliner apps. That way I can, you know, do some some text, cover art, everything else like that. So that way everybody's getting the best of both worlds. But again, guys, hope you all enjoyed. If you did, make sure to like button. And I, good Morgan. We'll catch you all later. Peace.